0: facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to Friday. Welcome to the weekend. It is the 16th of February, 2024, and we've got a lot more faith, facts, and fun for you today. Can't wait to dive in. Very controversial happenings going on over in England. We'll get to that in just a moment. 888-914-9149 888 is the number to call to talk to me for free. It's our listener line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance, 888 914 You can also email the program, become a shadow producer, send me a show idea, a link, story you think I might have a take on. The address is klcale at relevantradio.com. And you can also follow me on the X app at... Cale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Well, this is the number one story that was trending in Catholic media this week. People are really shocked by this. The rave in the nave. What am I talking about? Well, Canterbury Cathedral, which used to belong to the Catholic Church, it, it doesn't now, it's in an, it's an Anglican hands. But St. Augustine of Canterbury, who was really the apostle to England, goes back to those days it was used essentially as a nightclub. And we'll tell you more about this. Rave music was happening. And th- this has shocked a lot of people, both inside and outside of the church. Even atheists are shocked by this. Producer Jim, were, did you go to raves a lot when you were in high school? Never. Not never? once. Uh, never? <laughs> Sorry. Right? Oh, okay. I let you you'd... down. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never been to one either. I've so been like only
1: can... to one concert in my entire life, a real concert? concert. Yeah, that was really? Tim McGraw, and it was like 25 years ago. Wow!
0: Wow! It was pretty wow. good. That's, that's unbelievable. Hey, I, I love Tim McGraw, and I'll, I'll tell you what—I think Tim McGraw. They weren't exactly playing Tim McGraw music. I don't think at the rave in the nave. Maybe a little techno music. You got some techno beats for me, DJ Jim? You got you got something for me? He's 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 spinning the turntables. There you go. All right. Let's rock it. All right. Okay. We'll we, we could, we could maybe play this in the background for a moment. No, no, we won't, we won't. But that, that's, that's the kind of music that was going on here. During the rave in the nave, the secular completely invaded a sacred space. Now, somebody who was really personally upset by this was Edward Penton. He wrote, he wrote the story about this for the National Catholic Register. He's a very well-known, very well-respected Vatican correspondent. Edward Penton is actually from Canterbury. He grew up there and he had to go check this out for himself. So this took place very recently and 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 this rave in the nave it was a little there's a little bit different from the usual kind of rave because they weren't blasting music. It was actually a silent disco, quote unquote. And a lot of these are popping up in cathedrals all over the UK. Um even crept in some of this sort of nonsense has crept uh, crept into Catholic spaces as well. I don't, I don't know what you guys think about this. If you've heard about this, eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let me let me just let Edward Penton tell the story here because he, he went to check this out. He uh, he said, "Quote: As someone who was born and raised in Canterbury and attended a school in the cathedral precincts, I was shocked at the sight I beheld." one that I and many of my contemporaries would scarcely have imagined. Strobe lights lit up the nave with colors of the rainbow as three DJs stood behind their computers at the foot of the rude screen. Now the rude screen is something in the cathedral, I'll explain that later. Playing music to the bopping partygoers through their wireless, neon-lit headphones. This was a so-called silent disco, one of many being held in cathedrals up and down the country and billed as a chance to quote unquote, have fun in special places without necessarily causing a noisy disruption and to raise money for their upkeep. So that, that's sort of the, the flip side of this. If there is one, That the, the good intention here is that this was a fundraiser for the cathedral. So what was going on, though? What kind of music was being played by these DJs into people's wireless headphones? So they weren't blasting music. Everybody was receiving it wirelessly. But there was a lot of singing going on, and, and what they were hearing was not Christian music, but simply secular rock and pop music from recent decades. In, in this case, in the Rave in the nave, they stuck to the 1990s. They, they, they went 90s, a lot of Eminem. They went heavy on Britney, the Spice Girls. Um, and this is what he did. Edward Penton says, quote, Squeezing past revelers as they swigged cocktails purchased from makeshift bars in the nave." Just yards away from where St. Thomas Becket was brutally slain in defense of the faith and the church, I made my way up through the heaving crowd. As songs played silently through their headphones, the partygoers would occasionally chant well known song lyrics that jarringly reverberated from the cathedral's hallowed arches and balustrades. Outside the cathedral's medieval front gate, around 20 faithful mostly Catholics, but also some Orthodox, Evangelicals, Anglicans, and even some atheists and agnostics gathered in the pouring rain, but in good spirits, to protest against the rave in the nave with prayers, hymns, and the reading of Holy Scripture. So we're going to get more into into the protest in just a second, but I wonder if you've seen anything like this happen in your local place of worship, whether it be a Catholic church, a Catholic parish, a cathedral, uh, maybe another house of, of Christian worship, non-Catholic. Let me know. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Did you hear about this? What do you think about this? Oh, by the way, he he did share a picture. Edward Penton in his article uh, of the drinks list. In case you're wondering what they were serving at the rave in the nave. Uh, first of all, if you just want a standard Coke, if you're kind of just uh, being a straight edger. Uh, You could get a Coke, Diet Coke, even an apple juice for three pounds. Of course, this is in the UK. I don't know what that would be in American dollars, but maybe about the same. Three bucks for a Coke. If you want to go a little heavier, you could get Prosecco Spumante Extra Dry for six pounds. If you're a wine connoisseur, you could have Jackrabbit Sauvignon Blanc for six pounds. They had moth cocktails. I don't know what a moth cocktail is. Do you know, Producer Jim, Have you ever had a moth cocktail?
1: Doesn't do sound actually, very good. <laughs> Did they actually put a moth in
0: it at the bottom? Is it like tequila with a worm in the bottom? I don't know. That was also six pounds. You could get, uh, if you're sort of a cider person, you could get a Koperberg cider. You could go with strawberry or lime for five pounds. They also had San, San Miguel beer, San Miggy. A lot, a lot of my friends ran into San Miguel. Uh, Filipino beer, five pounds. There was also Hobgoblin session ipa i don't like ipas as a beer drinker i don't know about you jim i know you like beer but they're, they're they've got a certain taste to them they're, they're very strong usually this one wasn't that strong it was only 3.4 percent alcohol but anyways are you an ipa guy jim do you like ipas yeah i like them and yeah. when it's really cold when it's really cold yes. well you could have had one of these for the, the, the paltry sum of five pounds they also had smirnoff and cola and of course being in the uk they had gordon's gin and tonic also for five pounds anyways was this an example of that which is sacred being profaned? Well, this is, a, this is an incredibly historic place, by the way, Canterbury Cathedral. And again, this goes back to St. Augustine of Canterbury, who evangelized the English. And he's, a, he's actually a great story. If you don't know much about St. Augustine of Canterbury, he was sent by uh, Gregory the Great to evangelize the English way back in the year 597 A.D., and he, actually, his life contains a great lesson of faith for us as well. And uh, by the way, his feast day is May the 27th, uh, uh, St. Augustine of Canterbury. But when he was sent out by, by Pope Gregory to evangelize the Anglo-Saxons, you know, Augustine of Canterbury, he was a, he was a monk. And there were 40 monks that were sent out. And, and they were like almost there. They were almost at what is now England and they went to Gaul, which is in modern-day France, and and they were kind of galled when they were in Gaul, because they kept hearing all these legendary stories about the Anglo-Saxons, how fearsome they were, how, I mean, you you don't want to fight these people, and then they they were also hearing terrible accounts of the English Channel, you're not going to be able to cross it, the waters are too rough, and Augustine's like, I'm out of here, man. He just said, I'm bailing on this project, and he went back to Rome, and Gregory the Great and he also brought the other monks back with him, and Gregory the Great said, "What are you guys doing? <laughs> Stop being a scaredy cat. Get get back out there, get back out there. Fear not." And so he said, "Okay, okay I'll give it another try here." So he he goes back, and it, I guess this, this sounds a lot like the Israelites sending the spies into the land, like Caleb and all those guys, saying, um, "You know, hey, there's giants in the land. You know, I'm scared. I don't know. I don't know if we can take these guys." Um. And that's exactly what what St. Augustine was thinking about the Anglo-Saxons. But he went back again, and this time, they discovered their fortitude, they steeled themselves, they crossed the English Channel, and they they wound up in the territory of Kent. That's where Clark Kent is from. Um, Anyways, Kent at the time was ruled by King Ethelbert, who was a pagan guy, and he was married to a Christian named Bertha. And so... All of Augustine's fears, he had worked this whole thing up in his mind. These guys are going to kill us. We're going to get martyred. You know, this is going to be awful. And none of that stuff happened. In fact, King Ethelbert was like, welcome. I'm so glad to see you guys. And he actually received them. He was really nice to them. He set up a residence for them. And within one year, on Pentecost Sunday, in the year 597, he got baptized, King Ethelbert. He, he also became a Catholic. So, all his worries were unfounded. And sometimes that happens to us, doesn't it? Like we, we, we build things up in our minds and we, we're so afraid uh, whether it's something that God wants us to do. And I don't know. I just, you kind of turn around and run away. But it's kind of like the Quo Vadis moment, you know, with Peter. I mean, where are you going? <laughs> Get back here. And uh, Augustine was was uh, eventually consecrated as a bishop and he went back to Canterbury. And he founded the See of Canterbury, became the first bishop started building the church, and that's where the present cathedral is, which is magnificent. I've never seen it with my own eyes, maybe you have, but it was begun in the year 1070 AD. So this is old. I mean, this is well over millennia old. And uh, that's where the faith really took hold in the UK. But it was, it was tough, though. Like he, he didn't always have great success, even though the king got baptized. A lot of the Anglo-Saxons were, were very hesitant uh, he failed in a lot of his apostolic missions, augustine of canterbury and there 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 were there were a lot of Brits that were big into the the Celtic customs. they were big fans of the Celtics, not the Celtics, not the Boston Celtics but they were celtic they were spelled the same way it's the Celtic customs and they were kind of like pagan customs that were not in coherence with the Catholic faith, and that was tough for him but what he tried to do was he tried to take the pagan festivals that they had, and he tried to transform them into feasts of faith. And he tried to keep the customs as much as he could, unless it was something that went completely against the faith, which is kind of interesting. Like He, he took pagan things and made them Catholic. That's kind of what happens to all of us. We are all pagans who were made Catholic, were baptized pagans, if you will. But but what's going on right now in Canterbury Cathedral, it's exactly the opposite. They're taking a Christian faith and they're, they're letting pagan rites flow freely there, along with the drinks, too. You're listening to the Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. But even though, even though he had Augustine of Canterbury had sort of middling success apostolically, a lot of hits and misses, the fact that he went there, the fact that he got the church planted there, he died in 605 AD, but, but eventually England got converted. And, and that's why he's the apostle of the UK. And so um, a, lot of, a lot of very human things that we can take note of that we can, we, we can kind of identify with this guy, I think. And of course, the other great saint who's very much involved, very much associated with the cathedral in Canterbury is Thomas Beckett, who was martyred there. All right, um, if you have a question or a comment about this, 888-914-9149-Scale-Clark-Show, we're talking about the Rave in the nave, which took place in Canterbury at the Cathedral a couple times, a couple events over the last week. So, um, even though Augustine of Canterbury kind of got the thing going, started building the church, it is most famous, as I just mentioned, for being the site of the martyrdom of St. Thomas Becket in the 12th century. And a lot of pilgrims have gone to Canterbury Cathedral. Uh, I don't know if you've been there. Let me know. But uh, of course, famously, and, and I had to check with my wife about this because she's the, the English major. She's the English lit expert. Jeffrey Chaucer, Canterbury Tales. Have you ever read Canterbury Tales? I haven't. I had to even check with her about how to pronounce that. I do want to make a fool of myself on, 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 national radio. I thought it was, is it Chaucer? Is it Chaucer? Is it, uh, um, is it, no, it's Chaucer. Okay. All right. Good, 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 good. I, I never read Chaucer in school. I probably should have, but I, I'm very famous for reading words that, you know, I, I've, I've read about things, but I don't, I've never heard them pronounced in real life. And there was one that, um, one mistake I used to make as a kid. Let's tell you the story. But I, 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 I slipped up and, and said it again the other day. I was talking to my wife about this this court case that was going on. I said, yeah, the, these three guys got served with affidavits. She's like, they got served with what? Yeah, they got served with an affidavit. Uh, and she's like, you mean an affidavit? I said, no, no, it's an affidavit. It's an affidavit. Don't, don't, don't you know anything about the law? I thought you studied the English language. When I was a kid, I thought it was in a fit of it. And I'd forgotten that it's an affidavit. At any rate, um, I'm famous for doing that. So yes, it's Chaucer. Okay, so sounds like it's spelled. Okay, sounds good. Canterbury Tales. Never read it. Maybe you have. But that's another famous association with Canterbury Cathedral, which was turned into a rave, a silent disco, partially for a good purpose, fundraising. But what, what do you guys think about this? I really want to hear from you. 888 This was the number one trending Catholic story on media this week. So I'm, I'm certain that you have a take. Don't be shy. Give me a call. 888 i got to take a quick break right now, but we will be right back on The Cale Clark Show. Come back or I will serve you with an affidavit. And you'll be sorry. I'll be right back. and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back. On this Friday, we're talking about the rave in the nave. This party that happened, this what's it called? It's called a rave. Yeah, it is a rave. And and revelers were swigging cocktails, gin and tonics, purchased from little bars that were set up in Canterbury Cathedral, and they were celebrating dancing just yards away from where St. Thomas Beckett was martyred for the Catholic faith. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. I wonder what your take is on this, this sacred space being appropriated or misappropriated for a really secular activity, even if it was for a good cause, even if it was to try to raise funds for the cathedral. Was this appropriate? Was it not? Have you seen this kind of thing going on in your own houses of worship? Let me know, 888 9149 and by the way while we were at break um, I heard through my headphones my wife was yelling at me and I I, I did it again I'm very famous for misrepresenting words misspeaking uh, I, I read words and then I say them but I've never heard them pronounced in real life and I make a fool of myself I like a fit of it I talked about that it's an affidavit so I flunked out of law school just kidding they would never let me in the first place And and she said it's Chaucer, not Chaucer. Um, I, I Did I get that right? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll be hearing from my wife about this if I didn't. Anyway, so, talk about Canterbury Tales by Chaucer. Um, like I said, Chaucer. Chaucer. As if he was from Boston or something. I don't know. But Canterbury Cathedral. Man, believers are not happy about this. There was a big protest. Well, it actually wasn't big. Not as big as the crowd that was inside, that's for sure. But Edward Penton, journalist, was able to Talk to some of the protesters and what they had to say, and I think this might resonate with you. But I really want to hear what you guys think about this. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Matthew in Michigan. Hi, Matthew. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Doing, doing yeah. well. Thanks for thanks for calling in, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for everything you do. Um, three years ago, you're the reason I actually went back to the faith. Um, hearing you on the radio randomly coming back from Green Bay to Michigan. <laughs> and I, I appreciate, I appreciate you and everything you guys do.
0: You've got to be kidding me. Wow. That, that is uh, super encouraging, man. I, I appreciate yeah. you telling me that. Thank yeah, God.
1: Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm super excited. I had a crazy life and uh, I'm actually meeting with the vocations director, uh, on the 21st of this month at the diocese over here in Gaylord and trying to do something for God.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's am- we'll pray yeah. for that, Matthew. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. And definitely, we'll we'll get our listeners on that case as well. And I've heard I've heard there's amazing things happening in that diocese.
1: It's it's wonderful from everything I hear. Uh, I know we have a a, saint, a parish here that they all kind of combine because there's such a, a lack of folks nowadays. Um, but it's called All Saints Parish, and it's just a wonderful place, and I went there about six months ago, and I had a little bit of a breakdown, and uh, I've been nurtured back to sanity, at least, and uh, I'm I'm going to try to do something different. I've been struggling trying to find my vocation for a long time, bouncing from thing to thing, but uh, the only time I really find peace is when I'm listening to relevant radio, honest to God, or uh, or praying. Um, I struggle most of the other, rest of the day, but well, well, I'm another I'm... reason to join the church, I suppose.
0: Well, I'll tell you. So, 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 when you say join the church, does this mean that you're, are you coming back into the Catholic faith, or are you?
1: Well, yeah, I was raised. I was raised Catholic. Um, I I had some some undiagnosed sleeping disorders early on, um, hmm. and other things, and I I went to alcohol at a really young age, and uh, so it was. Yeah, I definitely straight away, probably 15 years old, stopped going to church, and then it just kind of you know, found every excuse in the world to say that you don't have to go to church as a Catholic, and then oh, I'm spiritual, not religious, and, right. you know, I, I realized now I was kind of following the ways of the world. Um, I, I think it's the devil and the Antichrist pushing their way around nowadays, mm. but I, I didn't know that for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, I want to be—I want to become a priest. That was what I decided. But I am an alcoholic, by you know, okay. certified alcoholic. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen. You did say, you know, we don't kick out priests for drinking, you know, becoming alcoholic, except for their priests. So I kind of was like, well, then why shouldn't you know? But hmm. I'd like—I'm just gonna—I don't care what I do. I just want to help. I want to be there, part of the church, um, hmm. and I want to know that I'm amongst like-minded people, you know. Absolutely. Like you guys, you guys get to work with each other on Relevant Radio, and that must be just a heck of a blast. <laughs> I <laughs> can imagine having wonderful folks all over the place that you can uh, ask for help or you know ask for prayers. Um, just what a what a great job you guys have.
0: <laughs> well, well, we're we're all on the journey together, and believe me, we, we haven't attained sainthood yet. You can ask producer Jim, you know what it's like to work with me. <laughs> I guess, but but having said that, um, you wanted to say something about this culture of raves, talking about the rave and the uh. rave.
1: Yeah, what a, what a horrible mess. Um, yeah, for my previous life, I used to throw those kind of parties. Um, really? Yeah, I'd unfortunately supply the medicine illegally and do the whole spiel and, you know, think that we're just having a good time, just a bunch of older teenagers or young adults having a blast. But, you know, the more I've learned, I, I realize that that's, that's definitely the evil one sneaking in there. and. Mm. Uh, telling you to enjoy yourself, and it's it's definitely a horrible, horrible, horrible thing that it's in a church. I I can't even. But again, the more I, I mean, I'm studying IT right now, cybersecurity, okay. and the more I learn about computers, the more I see Antichrist all over the internet. I mean, the AIs, you know, mm-hmm. they'll they'll cut into you. I've argued with AIs cutting into you for, you know, praising God as the only God and the one and only. God. I mean, it's horrible. Well, I want to remind you, you know, that everybody's got a different opinion on that. And there's no facts that prove this, and it's nonsense mm. everywhere you go. Um, <clears throat> scary, yeah,
0: are, you, sad, and, are you kind of referring to Matthew, like when people ask religious questions of AI um, programs like ChatGPT or something like that? The stuff that you sometimes is like, spit back yeah, out is not, like, not always that accurate.
1: Bard, or yep, yeah, any of the big ones, yeah, sir. Yeah, that's that's
0: that's a that's, a, that's going to be a huge problem going forward, of course, and and that's. One of the reasons why Relevant Radio exists, we want to try to have a media presence where we can set the record straight, get the truth out there, So that p- and the truth is out there, to quote the X-Files, and you can know it and <laughs> you can find it. And it's not easy to find it, though, sometimes. And, oh, my goodness, not more yeah. You know, sometimes okay. I, Matthew, like sometimes I, I, I say, I, I sometimes wonder if people can clearly claim the defense of invincible ignorance these days, because we live in the information age. If you want to know something about the faith, about Jesus, about the church, you can just look it up, but it's not that simple. I'm I'm starting to realize that it's not that simple because a, you need a guide to, to shepherd you through all this mess. And there's so much, so much mis- misinformation out there. Hey, I mean, e- even our legit media companies in the world are, are, have been guilty of fake news on occasion, or maybe more than one occasion. So, if you're looking for religious truth, it's it's a little bit like wandering into a secular bookstore and going to the religion section and just saying, you know, somebody saying to you there, have at it, you know, and I, ho- I hope you find the truth. It's it's not that easy. You, we need help.
1: Uh, you, you, have, you have to be able to trust somebody, first of all, which is where you guys come in. Um, and then you have to hear something a hundred times over in the same format to even try to believe it and that's coming from trusted sources there i have to live on my experience before i'll actually believe in anything i think wisdom comes from the experience uh with mm. everything else combined because yeah. it took me a long time just to get started to understand yeah. you know to understanding what's going on and i watch it every day with my mother trying to show her what's going on in the world and she's the one that raised me catholic but when it comes to this stuff i try to pound it in every day and it's like she just doesn't hear me. It feels like mm-hmm. I'm telling somebody to pull their head out of the sand, and I'm explaining to them why, but they're getting frustrated with me for telling them they have to take yeah. their head out of the sand in the first place. Yeah, so it's, it's it is tough.
0: Yeah, we we've all had those experiences of trying to evangelize, especially when we start to get on fire. And I, I would give you the advice that uh, Saint Ambrose gave to Monica about her son Augustine. They all became canonized saints. Hey. Talk talk to God about her much more than you talk to her about God. You know, and pray, 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 pray. And 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 sometimes the people close to us are the ones that unfortunately don't listen to us. Prophet is not accepted in his own home, as Jesus said. So talk about it if the if the opportunity rises for sure. But but pray, pray for her. And um and sometimes we need somebody else to come into to their life. And that's what Ambrose was for Augustine. He came into Augustine's life. He tuned out his mom, and he would listen to Ambrose because. He respected him, and he wound up obviously converting and becoming one of the greatest saints of all time. So, so keep at it, man. Keep at it. I appreciate I, I,
1: it. I got yeah. go to go into church and confession again. I got two weeks in a row right now, so. Awesome. That's that's new. Keep <laughs> keep the,
0: keep the streak going.
1: <laughs> yes, sir.
0: A- absolutely, hey Matthew, I really appreciate you calling in, man. We will be praying for you. That meeting you have with the uh-huh. vocations director, call really back and let us know it. how it goes. Okay, call back and let us all know right. how it goes. Right. And God thank, bless. thank you. you. Have a good night. God bless you. Thank you for encouraging us here at Relevant Radio by telling us about how we've been able to make a difference in your life. God bless you and have a holy Lent. Yep, you as well. Okay, thank you. That was Matthew in Michigan, near Thunder Bay, near Lake Huron. Uh, That was awesome. Awesome phone call. Really, really appreciate him and what he had to say. Wow. So he was saying, one of the things he said about this, he said a lot about a lot of different things, but a fascinating phone call. But as somebody who threw rave parties in high school, he was like, this does not mix with the faith. Uh, it's just not the proper vibe at all. And, and again, it, the juxtaposition of the rave in the nave at Canterbury Cathedral, even if it was a fundraiser, the fact that you know, techno music is being played, albeit wirelessly transmitted, and people are wearing headphones, they're singing, though, it's bouncing, off, bouncing off the ceiling, this is just steps from where the martyrdom of St. Thomas Becket took place. And uh, wow, wow. And by the way, let me just really quickly tell you about him. If you don't know about the martyrdom of, of St. Thomas Becket in the 12th century, that is also an incredible story as well of conversion, somewhat like we just heard. God is working in people's lives, he's working in Matthew's life. Thomas Becket, interestingly enough, when he was a young guy, he he was kind of he had issues. He had issues. He was proud, he was arrogant, he w- he was a man of vanity. But but in later life, after he God got a hold of him, he became incredibly devout, incredibly pious. One of the greatest archbishops of all time. His interestingly enough, this 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 man ultimately had a hand in his death. His best friend when he was younger was a guy named Henry, who eventually became King Henry II of England. They, they hung out together. Despite the fact that they were kind of from different socioeconomic backgrounds, obviously, Henry would eventually become king. Thomas Beckett was born in the Cheapside area of London. That's what it's called. It's called Cheapside. Hey, I'm from Cheapside. Oh, okay, well, I'm from uh, Beverly Hills, you know. <laughs> so he, he, despite their sort of socioeconomic differences, he hung out a lot with Henry, When they were kids and young men, they used to hunt together. They used to play chess together. And friends who knew them said they were, it was like they had one heart and one mind. They were just like, they were totally on the same page. And so 21 years old, that's how old Henry was when he became king. And he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Thomas Beckett my chancellor. And, you know, we're pals. We work well together. We have fun together. Let's do it. And so he, that's what exactly what he did. He made Thomas Beckett the Chancellor, and they both were like extremely hard workers, and they, they just tried to bring law and order in, in, into Henry's kingdom, if you will. And by the way, this is when um the law really kind of got into the British countryside, if you will, trial by jury. Um that that, that just became a thing. Like the the king's judges used to travel all over the place administering cases and and upholding the law. But here was the problem, and this is eventually what, what led to the death of Thomas Beckett. The church, of course, has its own system of law called canon law. And, and it, really what this was all about in the end is the separation of church and state. And so, essentially, um, Henry wanted to bring the church under his control. When, when he became king, he sort of said, you know what, I, I kind of need the church to to be subservient to the king. And so he said, the best way I can do this is by promoting my friend Thomas, who's the chancellor. I'm going to make him the new Archbishop of Canterbury because the Archbishop had passed away. I'm going to install him as Archbishop and then he'll do whatever I want him to do and then I'll be able to just kind of have things my way. But a funny thing happened because as soon as as Thomas Beckett put on the robes of the Archbishop, it's like... a supernatural change took place. The grace of the ordination, if you will. And he became a super ascetic. He started wearing a sackcloth shirt, you know, repenting in sackcloth and ashes kind of thing. Uh it was really uncomfortable. It went all the way down to his knees. Um he his diet was super, super austere. It was, he was kind of like he was living Ash Wednesday every day. Um, he would only drink water. So he became like super pious, super prayerful, super aesthetic. But they were, they were still friends, King Henry and Becket. But at one point, they they came to the confrontation came to to a head because some supporters of the king said, "You know what? Really, Thomas is not loyal to you, O King. He's actually a traitor." And they said a whole bunch of other nasty things about him, which I can't repeat here. And, and Thomas is like, "Man, my life is in danger here." So he actually like. He went to France to hide out for a little while. He spent six years in exile, and then he thought, "Okay, things have calmed down a little bit. The political situation's kind of so it's safe to go back." So he goes back to Canterbury, and he starts like excommunicating some bad bishops. And on Christmas Day in in, in the year eleven seventy, he excommunicated, excommunicated some of his fellow bishops, and he said, "May they all be damned by Jesus Christ!" Wow, he really, he really laid laid the wood to these guys. And Henry freaked out, King Henry freaked out when he heard about this. And he said these words, which he would later come to regret. And and I don't know whether he said them out loud or he muttered them or he said, well, no one rid me of this troublesome priest. Well, no one rid me of this guy. And some of his knights who were there, and maybe they weren't that smart. They actually heard him say this and they thought he actually wants us to kill him. Well, no one rid me of this turbulent priest, of Thomas Beckett. And so, all right, let's take him out. So they went to Can- Canterbury Cathedral on December the 29th. They found Beckett praying before the high altar. It was Vesper's time. And one of the knights struck him on the shoulder with his sword. And uh, I guess it, it didn't kill him. And it was kind of with the flat part of his sword. And then he, he stood up. And he basically said, what are you guys doing? And then they that's when they attacked him. And they, they just murdered him as grisly. They actually, uh, not to be too gory here, but plug your ears if you don't like blood and gore. They cracked open his skull. His brain spilled onto the cathedral floor. And Henry was livid and he was, he was, a, he was absolutely beside himself when he heard that, that, that Beckett had been killed. That wasn't his intent. And he actually put on sackcloth and ashes and, and, and did penance and starved himself for three days. Um, because of this tragic uh, death of his friend. and So immediately Beckett was was hailed as a martyr, and he was canonized in 1173. And that's where he was interred, Canterbury Cathedral in England, a huge place of pilgrimage. But unfortunately, King Henry VIII, another King Henry, when he started the the British Reformation, the English Reformation in 1540, he ordered the bones of St. Thomas Beckett to be destroyed, and all mention of him to be obliterated from the record um so that's the great tragedy but it was only steps from where the blood and more <laughs> spilled out of the body of uh, thomas beckett that's where this rave in the nave was taking place and that's why so many people are are absolutely aghast at this and, and my thanks to ben johnson for um the info on beckett there and his background 888 let me just uh, read to you really quickly what some of these protesters are saying. Uh, Edward Penton, uh, who's from Canterbury, was aghast at this as well uh he He was kind of milling about there were twenty people, some orthodox Christians, some Catholics, mostly Catholics, actually, but some evangelicals, Anglicans, even a couple atheists and agnostics showed up in the pouring rain and they're protesting against the rave in the nave, this rave that took place in Canterbury Cathedral, and one of the people that was interviewed was Dr. Kajetan Skoronsky, uh, who is a young Catholic doctor from Sussex, which is nearby. And he actually organized the prayer vigil. And he said, quote, it's a very misguided move by custodians of the cathedral who should know better than to be using this in this profane way. He said, I've got nothing against people enjoying themselves in nightclubs, but this is a cathedral, a place of prayer. This is the same place where St. Thomas Beckett's brains were spilled onto the floor and someone's going to spill a rum and coke tonight where he spilled his brains onto the floor. It's an awful thing to consider, end of quote. Does this anger you as much as it angered these people? 888 We'll be right back after this on the Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Helping you keep your mind off traffic and on the more important things in life. It's Cale Clark on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the program 888-914-9149 We're talking about the rave in the nave uh, Really the desecration of Canterbury Cathedral Which no longer belongs to us Uh, It was originally, of course, founded by St. Augustine of Canterbury, the apostle to England It's now in Anglican hands, of course But uh, one of the greatest, most famous martyrs of the Catholic faith St. Thomas Becket was martyred there and it's always been a historic place of pilgrimage and a really imposing and impressive uh, structure, a beautiful Gothic cathedral. But that's where this silent disco took place, the Rave in the nave, And um, it just, a lot of people have an issue with this. A small group of protesters outside while this event was taking place, it happened a couple of times over the past seven days. Um, one of the people that was there was a Catholic university professor named Chris. And he said, he found this disco very saddening. He said, quote, it's a complete cheapening of all the value which is there. And he talked about how when Jesus drove out the money changers, the merchants in the temple precincts, he said that this is the analog here. This is absolutely the case here. Th- this is what he would do. He would he would end the rave in the nave for sure. He would maybe overturn the DJ turntables instead of the tables of the money changers. And this guy, Chris, said, this professor, maybe because we're not doing that, maybe we're being cowards. Should people have done more to try to stop this? 888 914 914 you're calling in right now, I do want to slip this in. We have to make this happen because it's Friday, and we do need to play for you. Anything that you might have missed, well, we can't play at all, but we can do a little, a little highlight package. We call it the week that was on the Kale Clark Show. Check it out. The actual bone box of James, the first century bishop of Jerusalem, they actually found his bone box. The inscription says, "Yakov bar Yosef, and that means James, the son of Joseph, "Akui de Yeshua. And that in English is translated as James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. Does this mean that Jesus had a brother? Uh, not that way. The word brother has a very large semantic range of meaning and it can refer to cousins and even other kin. Abraham calls Lot his brother, he's not his brother. Lot is his nephew in the book of Genesis, that's a good example. There's nothing in the New Testament that says that Mary is not ever virgin. Okay, and there there is nothing in the New Testament that says that Mary had other children other than Jesus. It's just not in the text. And if anybody tells you otherwise, it's not true. Great performance by Mahomes and the Chiefs, of course. What a drive and what a game.
1: In the shotgun Mahomes, Four-man front, receiver motion, low snap, he runs and he throws, caught, touchdown, it's caught, Hardman
0: caught the ball, the Chiefs have won! One of the other names for this day, Mardi Gras, is Shrove Tuesday, and Pancake Suppers are all the rage, in fact there's many of them going on right now in local parishes. What exactly is Shrove Tuesday, or as writer Greg Garrison says, Holy Pancake Day? The the reason why it, uh, it's called Shrove Tuesday it comes from an old English word to shrive and shriving meant gaining absolution of your sins by confession and repentance. The he gets us ad was extremely controversial and 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 he, he I mean it's it's half right that's what I would say they, they got it half right he gets us and then there were some other lines that they were sort of like that would come up. Across the screen. Um, Jesus didn't teach hate. Of course not. He taught us to love our enemies even. And he does, obviously, he he loves all people with an undying love. But he loves us so much, he doesn't want us to stay that way, the way that we are. And we all have things to work on for sure. Here are 10 verses about self-control. First one I want to give you is from Proverbs chapter 25, Verse 28, it says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. That's uh, that's not a good scenario. Self-control, what's that all about? Well, obviously, it's controlling the passions that we have, which are God-given, but they have to be directed rightly in accord with God's laws, God's will, our appetites, our natural appetites for food, relations, if you will, <laughs> to be directed in marriage, and, and just even our will. This video is alleging that Disney took verses out of the Bible. There's one verse in particular that the video was focusing in on, Matthew 17, verse 21. This is the case of the demon-possessed boy, or as Matthew puts it, the epileptic boy. Verse 21 of Matthew 17 says, this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Why is verse 21 omitted from English translations of the Bible? This verse is not in the original manuscripts of Matthew, the oldest manuscripts of Matthew. We talked about a lot of stuff this week on the Kale Clark Show. My thanks to producer Jim Shaper for pulling together the week that was on the show. If you missed any of these episodes, of course, you can always grab the podcast on the Relevant Radio app, newly redesigned just for you. And you can also get them on any podcast platform. How about that? like Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you are listening on one of those services, we'd ask you to give us a rating and review, tell other people about the show. I really appreciate that. And a way to do that is by giving us a rating, however many stars you want. You can be honest. If you hate it, you hate it. If you love it, you love it. Uh, Give a comment and help us to bring Christ to the world through the media. Let's go to the phones right now. I want to hear what you guys think about the rave and the knave that happened at Canterbury Cathedral. And by the way, 12 more such events are planned at other cathedrals, And things like this have happened in Catholic cathedrals and churches around the world as well. Maybe a bit more on that later. But let's go now to Paul in Youngstown, Ohio, who's been waiting patiently. Hello, Paul.
2: Hello, Cale. Uh, The Canterbury uh, thing sounds like a disgrace. And Mm -hmm. in Youngstown, when the churches want to raise money, they simply have a bingo game or a fish fry. And you had mentioned uh, something in the rude screen. And mm-hmm. I think that's similar to an iconostasis. Is that correct?
0: Uh, it sounds similar, doesn't it? It sounds like it might be similar. I'd have to do some more research on that. But maybe for our... Because uh, Paul from Youngstown, Ohio, comes from an Orthodox background. Explain to the people what an iconostasis is, in case they don't know.
2: An iconostasis is basically... Uh, a door, uh, a wall with three doors, the center doors or the Royal doors through which bishops and priests can go through. And then the side doors are known as the deacon's doors for the deacon, the acolyte and subdeacons. Okay. And in the Western church, in Roman Catholic churches, uh, the iconostasis was lowered to an altar rail with a swinging gate that would open and mm. shut.
0: Interesting.
2: And, uh, I wondered if a rude screen was something in between those two.
0: Hmm. Well, it's it's also true that in the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church, they would have something like these screens as well, and a lot of the liturgical action would take place kind of behind the screen in terms of the consecration of the Eucharist, et cetera. Isn't that right?
2: Yes, that's, that's right. Uh, at least the Byzantine rites of the Eastern Church. I'm not sure about hmm. the... Uh, the Maronite
0: and uh, yeah. some of the others yeah, intriguing. I've only been to one Eastern Rite mass in, in my life, a divine liturgy as it's called, but it was super intriguing to me. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It happened at uh, at a Eucharistic Congress that I attended uh, back in 2008, but I, it really, really made an impression on a lot of people because for a lot of Roman Catholics, a lot of Western Rite Catholics, they've never experienced anything like that. And uh, it is absolutely legit for sure. It's, um, just as valid as any other form of the Mass. And in fact, um, as it's known as the Divine Liturgy, um, just to, just to d- double double uh, reconfirm for, for listeners who may be listening to the program, the Catholic Church does say that the Orthodox Churches of the East do offer a valid liturgy, a valid Mass, valid sacraments. They have all seven sacraments. What, I guess, disunites them from us is that they don't hold that the Pope is the uh, leader of all the other bishops and the uh, visible head of the church on earth. But there's interesting developments. And and this is something I I read about recently. And Paul, you probably heard about this as well. One of the patriarchs, uh, and I forget his name. There's, there's some talk of a union between Rome and Constantinople. Isn't that true?
2: I'm not sure. Uh, There's some talk of next year, having the 1,700-year reunion of the Council of
0: Nicaea—that would be—that int- would be amazing. And that I'm, would not be sure I'm not sure if I'm not sure if everybody's on
2: board or not, or if certain jurisdictions <laughs> yeah. of the church or. But yeah. uh, it'd be interesting to watch and see what happens because uh, there there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion and dialogue that goes on back and forth. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what—it's it will be intriguing to watch, and um, and yeah, I did I did see a headline. I did I didn't dive into it. I forget which patriarch it is, but um, and I think this like some of the some of the Eastern patriarchs even call themselves pope as well, Pope so and so. But I this I I'll have to look this one up. But we can talk about this going forward. It would be intriguing if one of the Orthodox churches of the East reunified with rome that would that might start a cascade of others doing so as well that would be that would be pretty amazing hey paul thanks for your call man appreciate you and have a a great weekend let's go now to dean in stockton california hi dean hi cale um hey good to hear from you
1: can you please um yeah can you please return to the subject about reunion between east and west um more fully in the future it'd be great to talk about that but i think it's become less likely in the last
0: few years um
1: just leave it there and um Now, regarding uh, Canterbury, I first visited Westminster Cathedral 50 years ago in London, and then I went to Canterbury on foot with a group um, 41 years ago. And um, that was en route to Rome. At any rate, I just want to say, um, regarding the people that made that decision for the Anglican Church, Mm -hmm. um, I have two words that sum it up. Unmitigated stupidity.
0: Hmm.
1: Unmitigated stupidity. Those people should be out of their uh, positions... And turn over over to someone more more worthy of of that responsibility,
0: period. Dean, Dean, I think a lot of people agree with you. A lot of people agree with you when you say unmitigated stupidity. And thank you so much for that phone call, Dean, in Stockton, California. You know, there's an early church writer named Tertullian. He wrote some very interesting things. He was never canonized. But one of the things that he said is, that which is most sacred in the world is that which is most profaned. And that's certainly true in the case of this cathedral and its misuse. It's true in a lot of other ways as well. That which is most sacred is that which is most profane. Think about the name of Jesus used as a common curse word. Human life. Um, we can talk about marriage and sexuality. Uh, wow, how, how that is a sacred thing that is so profane and made so common in, 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 a, in a very, very uh, demonic almost way in our culture uh, it's like counterfeit money, and uh, people can't tell the real thing from what's false. And uh, we try to promote the truth here on Relevant Radio. Thanks for listening to the Kale Clark Show. Great program today. Thank you for everybody who called in. Check out all the archives on the website. Also, the have Explained too. Timory is coming up next. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Aloe took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela.
2: Thank you for listening to my daddy.